And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming to Civilized Barking. We are in Arrowhead Stadium. It is, I don't know, 90 minutes going on two hours after um, a wild game, an exhausting game, a disappointing game. Um, Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd here. And Jason, I'm telling you, and to my mom and the 13 others listening, I'm telling you, the Browns are good. And you might not want to hear it right now, and I know you're pissed off, and you should be. Um this was a really tough environment, and the Browns dominated the game for 50 minutes. You know that, right? You watched or you listened or you followed. You're still cussing. Yes, I'm talking to you, Mom. I know it. I know it. But it's okay, right? Um, this was a hell of a measuring stick. As I mentioned before, this was a hell of an environment. And it's absolutely disgusting that you can't catch a punt. And you should probably be a little bit worried about the offense going from absolutely unstoppable to three flat tires but I think you should feel good about the Cleveland Browns because as I've been saying, you can't win any championships on September 12th, but you can look at the preparation. You can look at how it's supposed to look. And for the defense that got gashed, I still thought the new guys looked mostly pretty good out there. So be pissed off, throw a pin against the wall. Just don't throw your fist against the wall and understand that it's probably coming back through here a long, long time from now. January 30th, let's do it again. I'd be all for it, and it'll probably be right back here on this field. Uh, you know, Zach, I think one of the last times you and I did one of these pods, I think we were talking about there's going to be overreaction to this game one way or the other. And, you know, Buffalo did not look good today against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I don't think the Steelers are going to be 11-0 again this year. And I guess that's a long-winded way of saying, you know, this is overreaction Sunday, I guess. But to me, the Browns could easily be the second-best team in the AFC this year. And from what we saw today, they played a, a damn near perfect first half. And the second half was far from it. And there was a lot of self-inflicted errors and we'll get into it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think you have to leave here encouraged, you know, yeah, they gave up 33 points, but you know, the special teams, Jamie Gillen put in an awful spot there. There's an easy seven, uh, the Chubb fumble, obviously. So there were some things I was actually, fairly impressed with the defense. I thought they did a nice job of getting guys on the ground. They were tackling Tyreek Hill in open space, which is almost impossible to do. You know, John Johnson got burned on the one play, but I don't really know what it is. He, how else he's supposed to defend that. That's just, I don't think they Mahomes. gave up another deep ball the whole game. Did they? They did. They didn't like that yeah. was the one. That's the one. If you, if you play the chiefs and you give up one, you got a pretty good chance to win. If that's all you're giving up, they made them drive, you know, they gave up some plays here and there, but again, they got them on the ground. And they only they got gashed really bad one time, and that was just Mahomes making something out of a busted play, and that's why he's an MVP, and that's why he's the best quarterback in the league. I I don't blame John Johnson for that at all. 
So I leave here encouraged. You know, I, 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 I'll tell you, man, like people don't want to hear it, but six can't make that throw at the end of the game. When you got a chance to win that game, you got to go in that game. And Baker played marvelous most of the game. He has a fantastic first half. I've been on him a lot for his accuracy. I thought he was really accurate. He delivered a lot of passes right on target, and he was terrific. But at the end of the game, if you want to be a $35 million quarterback, you've got the ball on the road with three minutes left and a chance to win the game. you got to go win that game. That's right. Um, and we'll get to him. That's going to be a big part of it here. Um, it's been a blur, right, even for us, going back to really the 10-minute mark where, you know, the Chubb fumble, Jason, they hold them to three, and then they put together a drive that's just vintage, right? It's becoming the identity. Joel Batonio out there kicking people's asses, mixing up the running backs and mixing in the passes. I mean, you're right. For three quarters, they were on the money, the, the passes. The Chiefs didn't know where the hell the ball was part of the time. And holding them to three and answering that with seven is supposed to be huge, right? Yep. Kevin Stefanski's dream is supposed to be having the lead and having those two backs in this line, um, you know, in front of them. And it didn't work out. Um, the drop punt is part of it. The defense not being able to get off the field. I, I, I just think in general, the Chiefs have such belief. And it's because they have such overwhelming talent, right? But they are ahead in their program. I mean, they've played in three state AFC championship games. The Browns have been good for about 11 games now, right? Um, the, their defense, they got absolutely gashed all day, finally buckled in. You know, they they couldn't. The Browns made it a point to take away the big play. They waited until there was 10 minutes left and, and went and got one. And then, you know, if Gillen doesn't drop that punt, they're going to go score. It's just the shape of, of everything else, right? Um Andy Reid gave away points in the first half, and then I thought even then at the end they got a little greedy. I mean, they kept leaving the door open. The Browns couldn't do it. The Browns in the first half, a stunningly impressive 8.8 yards per play. The Browns in three possessions following that aforementioned nine-play 75-yard drive. One first down, 3.3 per play. Penalties, a sack. And then, of course, that interception that he can't throw. And so through the whirlwind, of course, you're pissed. You got to close games. You got to work on that. And, like, you can say all that beautiful stuff early doesn't matter because it didn't work out, right? I still think, and I, and I want to get back to how it ended for Baker, I still think it's okay to come out of here feeling pretty good. I really do. And that's not a defeatist attitude. It's not any moral victory stuff. That's Those days are long in the past. I think you looked at the Cleveland Browns and you said, this is a really good NFL team. And over the course of a season, in competitive games, in crazy environments, in these moments, hey, they can only get better than they, the way they played in the last 10 minutes, really. Yeah, I mean, this is the next step. Beat the Chiefs. That's, that's, that's the next step in their progression. And if they beat them in January, it won't matter what happened here today. No one's going to care, just like, you know, the Browns got the break speed off them in week one last year and nobody cared by the end of the season. Right. So, so you know, a little bit of perspective here. But, you know, just the way that they came out in the first half, Kevin Stefanski was ultra aggressive. I absolutely loved it. The fourth down called to go for it rather than settle for three. You and I both agree you're not going to beat the Chiefs kicking threes. You know, you got to score sixes. And they did that. And then the offsides on, on the extra point. So, so 
they one yard made a lot of difference there. They moved the ball up one yard. And Kevin said, "Okay, we're going we're going for two now," and Kareem over the top for the two point play. Uh, love that. And the Jarvis end around on fourth down, I thought was a big balls call. When you've got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb on this team and you run to receiver end around on fourth and one, <laughs> it better work. And to his credit, it worked. So I, I just, I love how, how aggressive he is. I think he knows, you know, he's not going to come out and say it, but he knows you have to play a damn near perfect game when you play this team. And Zach, you know, I'll liken this to when the Cavs were playing the Warriors in the finals. And we were in, in, in Oracle Arena after one of the games, and I was walking out of the arena with David Griffin. I said, you got to play a damn near perfect game to beat these guys. He said, yeah, you do. And it's the same thing when you play the Chiefs. you got to play a damn near perfect game to beat them. Kevin Stefanski knows that. And the drop punt and the fumble in the second half, and then obviously the, the pick by Baker. It was far from perfect in the second half, and that's what cost him. And there are games where you can win. You can turn the ball over and win even on the road but not against this team. You can't. And those were just two yeah. crucial turnovers. Right. So, so one thing I just got done writing, Jason was, I'm not sure you can say the Browns should have won this game. And I think people's immediate reaction, because even my own was, yes, you can. I think you can accurately 100% say the Browns could have won this game. Obviously the score shows that and the shape of the game shows that. I mean, not only were they up two scores with 10 minutes left, but the eye test said they were kicking the chiefs asses in most areas. Right. Um, but the reason I'm not sure you can say should is because number 10 and number 87 are wide open all day. And this is a ticking time bomb. And I just watched the second half. You were tweeting about the heat, which everybody knew all week, right? was going to be like the Chiefs saw something in the middle. So they started running the ball. They were down 12. They had blown opportunities and really probably gotten punched in the mouth by the Browns even, even harder than they expected. And, and I think they had a lot of respect for the Browns, right? Um, but there was no panic. There was just run it up the middle. Take what's there. The Browns were taking away the deep one, right? Let's let's throw it to 87. Let's hit our other stuff. And, and I can't say that the Browns panicked, right? Like, I just, I, I can't, we're not there. We're not on the sideline. We're not in the locker room. We're not in the coach's booth. But, like, why did the punter drop the ball, <laughs> right? Why all game long? Um, when Baker has not even been touched, is the pressure starting to fly back there? Is it just fatigue? You know, is it a point where they've seen all the plays and, and they know they can finally either guess what's coming or if he has to straight drop back, they can tee off? I don't know. So I guess the point of all that ramble is I didn't really see it coming. Like I really thought that the Browns in the third quarter had had kind of in stopping them after that that Chubb field goal had, had taken control. But I'm not stunned because the Chiefs really are that good. And I know it hurts, and I'm sure everybody on that plane or that bus, wherever they are right now, is pissed off. But I think it's okay. I, I really feel – I came in with positive vibes about the Browns. I've written that. I've said that. And when we leave here and whenever it is, I'll still have positive vibes about the Browns. I mean, the Chiefs have played in the last two Super Bowls, and they're one offsides call away from playing in three straight Super Bowls. So th this is the bar. And, and you know, the, the Browns played as well as you could play in the first half. And they got the ball back to start the third quarter after the Chiefs scored. Their first possession of the third quarter after they played as well as they could play, damn near a perfect first half, they led by five. Five. After a perfect first half, and the Chiefs go down and score on the opening drive of the third quarter. So the Browns get the ball back. 
and they're ahead by five. Like this is what this is this is this is the bar. This is what you have to figure out how you're going to get there. If you're going to if you're going to beat the Chiefs and go to the go to the Super Bowl and win the AFC, uh, they're not there yet. But again, it's week one. There's a lot of football between now and January 30th. But I absolutely believe that the Browns easily could be the second best team in the AFC when this is over. Yeah. Um, and that's probably for another discussion on another day. I think we just had it, what, one or two podcasts ago where if this is the year the second best team in the AFC, you're okay. <laughs> right? Yep, you you yep. had a great year. Yep. Um, just think about the vibe, right? Think about last year, the opener, the podcast that we did. <laughs> the fake punt. The fake punt. Remember the fake punt <laughs> against Baltimore? Yeah, what is it with special? Well, look, we still got concerns here, right? Um, not everybody has Travis Kelsey, but the middle of the defense in is is going to be attacked, right? Um, the special teams are still an adventure. Let's just have this conversation with about Baker right now. I think he played. I know he played exceptionally well for three quarters. I know he is a completely different quarterback than he was a year ago, than he was 10 months ago. I am 90% sure that people in the organization feel good about having things in his hands. But Jason, even his two good seasons, how have they ended? Not well. Specifically, how have they ended? Just like today. Just like today. Right? Just not having the ball in a pressure moment. And, and it's not all on him. And it is game one. But the bottom line is he could have changed everything, right? He, he already could run for mayor of Cleveland. He could have changed everything about perceptions and maybe about the standings at the end. He had two chances at the end. They got one first down. And, you know, he got hit. He got flushed out by the pressure, which all of a sudden started coming. He tried to get away, and he's already in his release. Daniel Sorensen gets a clean shot on either his ankle or his foot. And so it doesn't look like a throwaway, whatever. But – he has to perform in that spot because we only remember that they lost, right? I've already, I know I'm contradicting myself in a way because I've already done 15 minutes on how I feel good about it. But without panicking or without saying Baker Mayfield is a failure, we know what the stakes are for the Browns for Baker Mayfield. And I mentioned a year ago, not just to say it's okay, but to say, look how expectations have changed and that's fine. And Baker Mayfield, when it counts, has to be better or even an 11, 12, 13 Browns win team. And I'm not sure they get to there, obviously, if he's not better in the big moments. But he has to understand, right? He has to not be retweeting Skip Bayless after the game. He has to understand he just has to perform, and there's no other way around it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's it's frustrating because he did play so well for three quarters. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm not sure. Are we sure that the Browns? I don't, I don't want to sound like this is an overreaction in one game, but the Browns had the opportunity to tell the world this summer, he is our quarterback. He is our guy. We're standing behind him like the Bills did with Josh Allen, and they chose not to do that. That's, that says a lot to me. Yeah, they, they, I, that's, that's fair for you to say. That is. That is. Um, I would say, as I've said, I'm fine with waiting because if you're wrong, you can't win the Super Bowl. I'm fine with waiting too. I I thought they should have waited. I I you know I think it was the right decision to wait. I'm just saying, like clearly somewhere in the organization there's reservations about him, and I think today you saw why. He's he, 
if Patrick Mahomes was in that situation, is there any doubt the Chiefs would have come back and won that game? Home or road, doesn't matter. This game could have been played in Cleveland. No, we yeah. If Patrick was, Mahomes has the ball. Yeah, if Mahomes today was part offense, twenty of that movie, right? Yeah, if if Mahomes has the ball on his own 20, 25, 30, whatever it is, with three minutes left, is there any doubt Kansas City is going to go down the field and score? No, zero. No, zero doubt. Zero doubt. We're not there yet with Baker. Obviously, we're a long ways from that. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, the reality is it is time to pay Baker (laughs) and you don't have to, right? But like, you're here, you're, you are, you have the coach that you've waited for. You have the formula that you've waited for. You have the team that you put together. I mean, they, they had resources to spend this year and they spent them on Anthony Walker, on John Johnson, on Jadavian Clowney, on Tack McKinley, on Malik Jackson, right? They went and got Malik McDowell. They went and, you know, got Anthony Schwartz to fortify this and see what happens at that receiver group. I mean, he's got to do it. So, again, like I I was not going to two hours ago, and I'm not going to now say this is Baker Mayfield's life and legacy on the line right here in these next four plays. But I can tell you the next time it happens, if it doesn't, we won't be talking about Malik McDowell after the game. We won't be talking about Jamie Gillen or even Nick Chubb after the game. What will we be talking about, Jason? Baker's inability to go win a game. That's right. It's here. The it's perfection's never the goal, right? It's his fourth year, Zach. It's it his is. fourth year. It is. It is. And there's no more learning curve. There's no more feeling out the league. There's like it's time. Now is your time. It's your fourth year in the league. Guys have won Super Bowls in their fourth year in the league. Like it's time to go win a game with a late drive. Yeah. And he's done it before. Like it escapes me, but I feel like he's done it before because I've made that tweet before about okay, if you're a franchise quarterback, you got to go win this game, and I feel like he's done it at times. But I it just and and when we're done with this pod, I'm going to go research this a little bit more. But it feels like he's failed more times than he's come through in that situation. I'm uh, I'm on the Google right now, so (laughs) Um, we'll we'll get to it. Baker Mayfield's career fourth quarter comebacks and game winning drives. Okay. 2018, we remember that magical Thursday night. The Browns hadn't won in 17 yep. years, and, and yep. they did. 2018 against Baltimore, the 12 to 9 game, ugly. They came back and won. He was 25 of 43 that day, 342. 2019 against Carolina, the day of the single greatest throw in the history of Cleveland Brown Stadium, the one to Jarvis. Um, I don't remember oh, yeah. that as a as a fourth as a game winning drive game, but apparently it was. And then they beat Denver that year. 
um, in Denver on that Saturday night. Um, in 2019, won. And last year, well, Washington wasn't. Um, they killed Washington. They played against Dwayne Haskins. I mean, come on. It's it's listing yeah. it here. Uh, I, I guess I guess that game did get a little hairy. They fumbled or something, right? Um, but the one against Cincinnati, which was the launch of the new Baker Mayfield, the new Browns offense, right? Where, yep. Yep. where he hits – they don't touch Higgins on the sideline. Then he hits Peoples Jones, and they come back and win the game. They really had no business winning. Um, that's a pretty short list, especially when you consider they won eleven last year. That was Game yep. Seven, the Cincinnati game, because that's a game Odell got hurt. Yeah, I mean, we're not hot taking it. We're laying it out there, right? We'll we'll see what happens next time. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> you know, I mean. The Chiefs' defense isn't exactly the Buccaneers. Um, no, no. The Chiefs' defense was schooled today for three quarters. And, and Baker played well. I mean, the one to Najoku down away from where we were sitting in – that would have been the fourth quarter. I mean, it's a great design, and Njoku's out there, and they trust him to go get it. But that ball is right on the money. Like, yep. right on the yep. money. He Njoku did not have to adjust his shoulders, his hips, anything. He put his hands up and was right there. Um you know, early on they were humming. And, you know, his – the first, gosh, 20 practices of camp, three in the offseason. Um, I saw Baker throw to Schwartz about zero times before that Atlanta game, and it was one series. So, like, those balls were right on the – and if Schwartz doesn't fall down on the deep one early in the game, it's a touchdown, right? Yep, that's six. Um, the one, yeah, the one along the Chiefs' sideline. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's it, it's going to stick with him, and he's got to do it. And and that's that's the story of the day, right? The Browns are good enough to be must-see TV. And the Browns are good enough to win a bunch of games and score 29, 30, 40 points on everyone. They didn't finish today. That's going to stick with them. They're going to have to win 45, 42, and 33, 29 games. They didn't win it today, right? And – they're good enough that expectations are win real prizes and win big games. And for as great as they were for 50 minutes today, they didn't win. It should sting. It does. Uh, yeah. Uh, anything we're, we're, we're leaving out. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I, we got to get into this Odell thing. We at least have to touch on it. Kevin. Oh, great. Okay. Said, good, good, good. Yes. Kev, Kevin said after the game that I mean, he basically put it on, on Odell. He said Odell went through pregame and felt like he couldn't play enough snaps to contribute, so he was inactive. Zach, what what do we make of this, if anything at all? Well, I'm glad you said it because I was going to ask you if this Odell thing hangs over everything, um, and we can get back to that in a minute. I don't believe them for one second that it came down to a pregame decision. What and how Kevin Stefanski has operated would indicate that they didn't know at 2 o'clock today that Odell was going to play or not, right? <laughs> like, that's just not their style. This isn't Hugh Jackson celebrating that Josh Gordon got reinstated <laughs> for the 17th fucking time, right? <laughs> like, like they've known, and Odell was there and going through it, and when it came this week and they had to do three official injury reports, they listed him as a limited participant. We're there every single day and watch him jog through. You know, the last 10 days or 12 days, we're not allowed to watch anything past the first 10 or 15 minutes. 
as I've written and said many times, he's never worn a brace. He's never winced. He's never grabbed at the knee. He just hasn't had the competitive drills. And if he has, we haven't been there for them. So there's no full tackling in pregame warmups. He wasn't going to get it then. I just, and especially the way they use Schwartz early in the game and not Higgins and not Peoples-Jones, who got his only target of the game on the last completion of the game. I mean, I suppose you could say those were going to be plays for 13 and not not for Schwartz. But come on, I, that's just, the game script was too good, right? The Browns weren't too much of a flow. I, I just, I can't, I think they knew. And that's fine, he's still only 10 months, and we'll see. But I think they knew, and, you know, as they come out here and hum for this, I mean, you can make a case that they didn't get get it done when they finally got going in that playoff game here last January because they couldn't stretch the defense. The Chiefs spent a lot of days. Part of the reason the Browns couldn't get it going early was these safeties just spent a lot of time hanging out at eight yards and ten yards. But that's not why they lost today, right? So, like, you know, it's out there, and, and obviously he's going to have the attention. And he does, he, you know, he he broke NFL protocol by not speaking to the media last week. The Browns wouldn't give a straight answer, which I guess is their right, right? Because to an extent, it is gamesmanship. But like, I don't feel like right now, like that he would have changed the game. And I also don't feel like I think right now this this team and this organization are strong enough that we can say. Okay, it's fine. He's coming along. I want to get him in. We'll see how it goes, right? I I would stop short of saying it hangs over everything they do. But I would also say check back with me in a week or two or six. What say you about that? Yeah, I, mean, I tweeted before the game. I don't care that he's not playing. You know, we've said this before on this podcast. They need Odell for weeks 12 through 21, not week one. So that that to me is not a big deal. The only thing that I kind of wonder about is the fact that it just felt like all the momentum and all the signs pointed toward him playing. And I was a little surprised, fairly surprised, that he was a scratch. So so why? And 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 maybe it is maybe it is just gamesmanship. And maybe, you know, I asked you uh, before the game, do you think there's any bit of them saying, you know, we don't you didn't see 13 last time, you know, last year. And you don't need to see him now in week one. You know, we'll save that in, in the Odell package for if we see you again January 30th. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, but I agree with the fact, like, there were points last year in the second half of the season where the offense was sluggish. And you looked at – and it just felt like, boy, this is a chance where they could really use 13. I didn't, I didn't get that feeling in this game. Now, you just said the last three drives, 3.3 yards per play and one first down. So, I guess, you know, they could have used 13 there. But they were moving the ball. Like, that was not the problem. They, the, the guys up front were moving bodies. There were huge lanes for guys to run through. Baker was on point. This did not feel like a game where they lost because they didn't have enough playmakers on the field. I didn't get that impression at all. So I don't really care that he didn't play. I think it's probably smart. Kevin said after the game that he thinks there's, there's a chance he could play next week at home against Houston. Certainly he's close. It's just a little curious to me that all signs and all momentum seem to be pointing toward him playing today, and then abruptly at the last minute he was a scratch. That's all. Yeah, and and I feel like while we can, while we must point out that the Browns follow the rules, they're entitled to share nothing more than they did, right? And that, of course, there was some mystery, and, and that would, to an extent, benefit in the game planning, 
right? Because the Chiefs know how good Odell Beckham can be. But I also think you can say and acknowledge all those things and still wonder if there isn't something a little deeper. Because if it was Friday or Saturday or Sunday and these messages that get passed through these national reporters, right, come from somebody in the team, it's just how it works. You guys, if you're smart enough to listen to this podcast, you're smart enough to know that already. I don't need to tell you that. Like if there was some miscommunication, some dissension, some hesitation, then there's an issue, right? This is two separate things, but they're related. I told you this during the game. One of the few things that can sink this season is individual dumbassery. Ronnie Harrison, I know he got grabbed first. That was really dumb and inexcusable, and he hurt his team today, right? Yep. I fully trust both Kevin Stefanski and Odell Beckham that this won't be any more of a distraction um, than it needs to be. But the fact is, not Stefanski's fault, not Odell's fault, not us here on the microphones talking about a fault. Until he comes back, it is. Right? He's he makes too much money. He carries too big of a presence and reputation. And when Nick Chubb got hurt in Dallas last year, so fancy started feeding him the ball, which is proof that he thinks he can change games. Right? The Browns have had him in camp since July. They've done the work. They've committed to him. Like it it just is some level of a distraction. It doesn't need to be a huge one. I don't think it will be a huge one, but we can't run from the fact that it is. Does that sound fair to you? Yeah, it's Odell. There's always smoke. Always. There's always smoke. And eventually, he's going to have to make it worth it. Because in my opinion, to this point, he hasn't made it worth it. You can, you can, you can have your sideshow and spectacle and all that. And you can always have this people talking about you and whatever else in the drama if you make it worth it on the field on Sundays. And I don't know that we've seen enough of it on the field on Sundays to make it all worth it. So hopefully – but again, I don't care that he didn't play. It's week one. There's a lot more games to go. It's far more important that he's out there 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and on. Uh, but I'm just saying at some point, the drama you gotta make, you gotta, you gotta show up on Sundays and make it all worth it. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, um, they do. They, they got to perform. The one thing we need to talk about, this is arguably the best offensive line in the league and looks like they lost Jedrick Wills to an injury. So at this point, we don't know if it's a break, a sprain, Whatever, we know ankle, and he was immediately carted off. Um, 
He tweeted yeah. about it in the middle of the game. He said, I assume he's talking about himself, where he said, I'd have to pull it up now and look. Uh, something about it was all good. So well, if that means positive. high ankle sprain, it's still going to be a couple of weeks. Right. Right. Uh, right. You know, this, this team has reinvested in Chris Hubbard. They drafted James Hudson. I'm not sure how ready he is. So we'll see what the emergency plan is. I think they feel like they can pretty seamlessly put in Chris Hubbard. Um, the Texans don't really scare you. In two weeks, you play Khalil Mack. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but again, I just would close by saying that to me is the real negative of the day. That and that now every kick was already an adventure and now every punt is too until further notice. Um, I feel pretty good about the Browns. I, I leave this stadium and this city all the next few hours feeling pretty good about the Browns. And in a long, unpredictable, quickly changing marathon, I think they're built pretty well. One and more question not- for you. I got yep. one more question for you. Is Jamie Gillen still on this team next week? Um, I think they're going to ask hard questions about that. And I'm not sure they're going to start Ronnie Harrison either, which would be perfectly understandable. Um, we'll see, you know, there's, there's going to be some, some disappointment and some difficult decisions. There are, there always are. And and they're going to have to see last year after one week, they changed kickers, right? I, 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 they did not bring in any off-season competition for Jamie Gillen. He's still pretty new at this game. I have no idea what the outside punter market is. You know, do you bring in four and work him out on Wednesday and let him see that after you chew his ass out? I don't know. Um, there's too much at stake for that to happen, and it, and it happened, <laughs> right? Um, you want to tell the story about the way in or not? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, you said we were going to open the podcast with this, and then it was such a good game we did. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, we're used to, you know, when we first started doing this podcast, there was lots of times we had to adjust and just tell outside stories <laughs> rather than talk about the damn game. As it's changed now, we could, uh, although I felt like we've already covered it, we've already talked in circles to an extent. Um, so Jason and I rode together to the game in an Uber, and the stadiums in Kansas City are kind of out there. They're they're both together, and it's not easy to get to. So even though it was almost four hours before game time, we were stuck in traffic and stuck like in 10, 15 minutes, we moved 50 yards. Well, a guy in front of us hopped out of the car and ran in the woods. It was pretty clear that he had had a few drinks and he really needed a pee. So we started having a chuckle <laughs> saying we were going to lead the podcast with that. And we watched him not only run in the woods, but run deep into the woods. And we started wondering how he was going to explain to his bosses that he couldn't come to work because he contracted poison ivy at 50 years old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my man was going deep, deep, deep up the hill. I don't know yes. what he was yeah. trying to hide. Like, yeah, we all know what you're doing. You no one's gonna look, dude. You don't have to go yeah. that far up there. So I guess we're just assuming it was number one, and it took two <laughs> minutes because he had had a long morning. But yeah, he went deep in, um, and we had moved probably I don't know going on a hundred yards by the time he came back, right? So he he broke Easy. a sweat. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was sprinting. He was sprinting back. <laughs> you saw the nervous look on his face of where's the car? <laughs> yeah. He fin- finally caught up to it. So that was. So that I was guess good we cap that story in this podcast by saying Cleveland. Next Sunday, you finally get to tailgate again. You have a good team to celebrate. And it's okay to be pissed off about this game. Uh, the Browns are pretty good. They still have some flaws. They got a long way to go. So um, enjoy it. Subscribe. Share, download, uh, all these things with, uh, with this podcast. And uh, we will talk to you soon. So for Jason, I'm Zach. Thank you for listening to Civilized Market.